0: Welcome to Episode 7 of Brainstorium. Now, last time in Episode 6, I did a six-story challenge in which I wrestled story ideas from six rounds of Exquisite Corpse. It was quite difficult. It was also funny at times. But you know what? It worked. Some of the Exquisite Corpse have already begun to blossom into short stories. But there's one where, before I write the ending... I want to know what you think should happen next. So today, I'm going to read out to you what I've got so far, and I'd love to hear your feedback. In fact, as it has a maritime theme, I'm going to read it from the beach, not far from where I live, to add the sounds of the ocean. The story is called The Midnight Ship, and it's based on the Exquisite Corpse result, The Perfumed Elf Swapped Boots With The Midnight Ship. So thanks again to Fraser Armitage, Mariah, Dushan Frankton, and the Twitter ID Squid Micro for providing the words that created this unique result. Are you sitting comfortably? Then let's begin. The Midnight Ship Plumes of sweetness touched the air. Something was different tonight. The scent of the sea rolled around him, bracing. It ran its briny fingers through the breeze, as if seeking out this other, foreign, floral waft, which was gone in an instant. The sea, it was his anchor. Elgard, bearded, tapping his pipe against the edge of the stern, was a dealer in the known, Solid objects, Cargo that could be weighed in the hands, that had a measurable mass and a practical use. He sniffed, turning his weathered blue eyes to the fading horizon. Gone were the days when traders of the unknown were permitted on these shores. Elusive wooden boxes containing things which couldn't truly be boxed. Wishes, dream casts, bad memories to be thrown overboard in the distant ocean of forgetfulness under an overcast sky so the stars wouldn't see. The ship gypsies, the gypsies, who were rumoured to still dabble in these trades, making dark deals to glitter their palms with gold. They were now gone from this now respectable port. The managers knew Elgart well enough to leave him to his own devices on a Tuesday night, recognising he was already home, had nowhere to go back to and that he'd keep an eye open for any illegal or unknown goings on. Elgart's sneer flashed white in the moon haze. Tonight, he was the illegal activity. Out there, not far behind his cargo boat and tethered tightly, was his other vessel, the Midnight. Only when the moon rose to its highest point, not long now, the ship would creak and sway into view. The woman had come by the the tavern yesterday, wrapped almost head to ankle in an indigo cloak, only her nose and mouth sticking out. Even in the smoke fog, her figure struck Elgart as being strange enough, too strange for him to be seen talking to without pricking suspicion. Why couldn't unknown traders learn to dress normally for Pete's sake? He gritted his teeth under his thick moustache and strode past her, his eyes cast elsewhere, and gave a low flick of his fingers that only she would see. True, if she followed him straight away it might be obvious, except that all the locals were busy laughing at each other's jokes, and misty-eyed with beer and rum. Better just to get her out of here before they had a chance to notice. It was that formidable directness these strange inlanders had, that no amount of heavy fabric could disguise. Outside, he turned left, and left again, up the side of the building. With only the sound of his boots crunching on the gravel, Elgart began to doubt his little customer had got the message. But he didn't dare turn until he was under the soft darkness of the trees. Where only a tradesman well versed in the secrets of the unknown, be sure to trace his outline, away from the pub's homely lights. Finally, by the ancient oak, he turned and jolted back a step. What the? The figure stood less than an arm's length away. She must have tailed him like a shadow all the way. Not a she, though. The cloak thrown back, Elgart stared into the pointed face of a male elf. For a few long seconds measured in heartbeats, they stood in silence. Perhaps the creature was giving Elgart the necessary grace for his all-too-human eyes to adjust. The quiet glow the elf now emitted was a mere shimmer, a silver sparkle, like a handful of distant starlight cast over his skin. Helgar took a breath to speak, but the soft earth scents of the woodland floor crept into his lungs, touched by a floral perfume. So far from home, or so it felt, without the nod and sway of the sea under his boots, he felt unsteady. And that's it. That's what I've got so far. I have some ideas for the rest of it, for a deal that goes wrong. But I'd like to hear what you think first. What should happen next? I mean, ultimately, the story must follow through with an interpretation of the exquisite corpse result, which is the perfumed elf swapped boots with the midnight ship. Although I've been a little bit creative with my interpretation so far, in that the Elf swaps his boots for the Midnight Ship instead of with. Or in any case, I think this is leading towards Elgart losing his Midnight Ship to the Elf's boots in some kind of exchange. But is it a fair exchange? The way I've written it so far, and with what I already have in mind, I'm thinking that the Elf is going to trick Elgart out of his ship for a pair of worthless boots. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Tell me what you think. If the Elf's boots turn out to be incredibly magical and valuable, maybe it is a fair trade for Elgart. Or maybe, if they're that special, it'll turn out to be an unfair trade for the Elf and it's Elgart who's doing the swindling. Let me know what you think. Before you do, it's time to stir the magic once again. And play a fresh round or two of Exquisite Corpse. It is time to dip our hands and our collective minds into the Socks of Destiny. That's right, I decided to come back indoors because I didn't fancy my chances with all these little slips of paper flying around me, just floating out into the sea, never to be seen again. I'm in the dry now with a desk, a pot of tea. So it's just going to be easier that way. Right. The first word is from Frasier Armitage and it's maligned. Hmm. So there's already a story in there, I think. Somebody's been maligned, but who or what was maligned Oops. This is from anonymous <laughs> Bubbles <laughs> Mal- The maligned bubbles Um. What could you say about bubbles? That's so terrible. Unless bubbles is a person. Um, oh gosh. Okay. Let's uh, pull out an action. (laughs) Ah, this is from Parveen. Slurped her drink noisily in the presence of. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. Hang on a second. (laughs) Bubbles, or I might have to say bubble, make it singular to make this make sense. Um, Is slurping a drink? Bubbles, now drink. Uh, This is gonna have to be, this is gonna have to be a person or or a a creature of some kind called Bubbles. And I'll just have to work out a reason why they're called Bubbles. Um, Apparently she's a she, and she drinks things really noisily and she's maligned. People have been saying bad things about her. So, um, is this, is this isn't a cafe somewhere? This isn't a cafe, isn't it? Right. This is from Alessandro Bozzo. Ravenous. Hmm. Actually, if, if you um, if you slurp a drink noisily in the presence of someone who's ravenous, I don't know is that, that's a little bit inappropriate, isn't it? Yeah Alessandro, what are you suggesting? Um, like <laughs> right, final now who was ravenous? This is from Paul Thomas Sea monster. Okay, so we are getting a bit of a sea sea theme lately. Um, Now that I'm indoors, we are faced with a sea monster. So the maligned bubbles slurped her drink noisily in the presence of the ravenous sea monster. I think I need to pour some tea. Hopefully this will make everything make sense almost immediately. That'd be good, wouldn't it? So what or who would be called bubbles? And why is she slurping her drink noisily in front of a ravenous sea monster? Can't help wondering, I mean, yeah, maybe this is because I've been to the beach and maybe because yes, there is a sea monster in the story. So how can I ignore this obvious theme? Um, Actually a bit of synchronicity happening there because bubbles is also to do with water. I think bubbles is a mermaid. I think they're both beings who are half in half out of the sea. They live a slightly uncomfortable existence and yet there are advantages to this because they can, they can pretend to be human when they're on land, in this cafe, perhaps a little ramshackle converted hut on, on the seafront, they can both go there and pretend to be one of the locals. Well, they are they are the locals but with the mermaid obviously she's she has legs when she comes out of the water the sea monster just looks like a fairly ordinary bloke maybe he's quite large um he has to wear quite big heavy clothing to sort of cover the fact that he's so huge um not that that would particularly help but he's a sea monster he doesn't have particularly good fashion sense he doesn't get time in the shops like we do and I wonder if there are other restrictions where some of these half in half out creatures between the sea and the land some of them can drink or eat on land and the others can only eat or drink in the sea and so The sea monster, maybe they don't get on that well, This sea monster and the mermaid, but the sea monster wants to blend in a bit, wants to learn and and observe humans, get used to their habits, um, do a bit of people watching in a cafe. Um, He can't go far. It's painful for him to be out of the sea for very long. Um, So he he and the mermaid have an agreement where they go They go onto land together, they occasionally, um, perhaps she goes on land a lot more than he does because she is able to eat and drink on land. But for him, he can only eat and drink in the sea. He eats other fish. I guess that there could be some real tensions between these two characters if technically, you know, Um, The mermaid might otherwise be prey for him when they're out there in the sea. But as it is, they've got an agreement. They meet up in the cafe. Um, He kind of needs her there because he has to pretend that he's going to eat or drink something. He'll order a drink and just let the tea go cold or just, you know, swap swap mugs with her once... uh, Once she's finished her tea or coffee, they'll switch them around and she'll drink his tea or coffee as well. Um, And perhaps that's why there's this kind of tension between her. That's why she slurps her drink noisily um, because she realizes it makes him uncomfortable. You know, it's not uh, the best relationship. It's, It's based upon an uneasy exchange Uh, uneasy agreement. Um, So, but the maligned bubbles, the maligned bubbles slurped her drink noisily in the presence of the ravenous sea monster who can't eat on land. I wonder why she's maligned. I think perhaps the sea monster has started a rumour about her, but i wonder whether he's done that amongst humans on the land if he's really unhappy with their set up this forced friendship um or or whether he's started it amongst other sea monsters but i can see i can see something here there's there's the basis for quite a bizarre story i like the half in half out idea and that's really come from th- the words here, where the fact that not only have you got two characters who are clearly um, have something to do with water, um, but she's slurping her drink noisily whilst he's ravenous. So there's this duality here. Of, yeah, that's, that's, really, that's really interesting. I'm going, to, I'm going to have some more green tea and celebrate. hope that the next one is as good as that. Right, move those aside and let's try for another one. Oops, they're falling out now. Right, I'm going to pick this one. Okay, this is Alessandro Bozzo again. Excellent contributor. Tempestuous. Oh, is that going to be, is that to do with the weather or is it conflicting emotions? I Have to see what comes next. What will the, ma- what will the noun make of the adjective? I wonder. This is, it's a Twitter ID. Denison underscore Elena belly dancer. Tempestuous belly dancer. What did she get up to? This is cat. Runted and raved at. Tempestuous indeed. Just picked up the noun sock, that's no good. Here we've got the describing word sock. Anonymous again. Delicious. I feel there is a food theme, a food and drinks theme going on today. So, what or who was delicious? This is a Twitter ID Gamer Writer. Gravedigger. Good grief. So the tempestuous belly dancer ranted and raved at the delicious gravedigger. <laughs> I'm struggling to imagine what a delicious gravedigger is. I guess they must exist, um, but a tempestuous belly dancer, I can. I can get my head around that. It's a very passionate dance. Um, I feel we have another difficult relationship here. Uh, But delicious gravedigger. This, this is a really bad romance, isn't it? Because she ranted and raved at a delicious gravedigger. What on earth? When I said this is a bad romance, the more I look at it, the more true that seems. I mean, we have a gravedigger who deals with death and yet is somehow delicious, and a belly dancer who's tempestuous and rants and raves at him is this Is this a musical? I'm not a big musical fan, but it <laughs> it seems to me. These things are made up of extremes, extreme emotions, extreme things must happen. It can't just be ordinary. Um, there's ranting and raving to be done through song normally, but, um, and also, yeah, the delicious grave dig- digger. I mean, he's obviously gorgeous, um, and yet he doesn't have the best night job. Um so we have two individuals with unusual jobs. Uh, one deals in death, the other somehow the essence of life. Of course she rants and raves at him. How dare he be delicious? Um, Maybe we have to think a bit bigger. So working with the word tempestuous, which can also mean stormy weather. Um, the fact that a, a grave is being dug. I think the belly dancer is someone who's died and is a spirit, perhaps a goddess of storms, and she's looking down at um, someone who was precious to her in life, has died. Perhaps her husband, who was um, widowed by her. for for some time but she's stuck around she as a spirit for some reason she's she's gained these powers over storms and um, that's a whole other story that would need to be worked out surely but anyway let's just go with this let's just go with her being tempestuous and dead Um, and she's looking down at a gravedigger who's digging the grave for her husband who's passed away And maybe he hasn't, maybe her husband lost a lot of money since she passed away and so he can't afford a proper burial. And so this is a really basic um, burial that she's not, she's not happy with the way this is being done or with the attitude of the grave digger if this has been sort of done on the cheap or something like that. Or even if he happens to be someone who just didn't really like, um, the husband very much, but as this spirit looking down, she rants and raves at this grave digger, who is apparently good looking at the same time because he's delicious. Um, that would make her rant and rave even more for for being dead and having only having control over the storms, and she blasts him with storms as he digs that grave. It feels like there's so many different possibilities that you could reach your your imaginative fingers into that you just have to write that as an opening scene and just see which of these things opens up for you where you know what's the, what is the history there's all these different potential histories going on um I don't know why it's significant that she's a belly dancer, but yeah. Um, And then I'm, but that's really the least of it all. It's, it's really what happened, um, what caused her death? What then caused her husband's um, poverty afterwards? Um, Was she so successful as a belly dancer in, in, when she was alive that he, he sort of lost everything when she went? What did he do for, for a living? Or was he ill and couldn't work? And then you've got, who is this grave digger? Who, who is this person who is in some way doing his job disrespectfully or in a way that displeases her? And what gave her the... Um, what, what caused her to, to gain these powers as a spirit? What connected her with storms? It's really interesting. There's just so many different aspects to look into, um, I'm going to have to have a little think about this and see if I'm going to try and do, do a bit of a, a lengthier brainstorm. I mean, what I did with the uh, Midnight Ship is I decided to sit down for 20 minutes, I had a little clock there, not one that ticks, they drive me mad from am listening to a clock that is continually chipping away at the seconds that will drive me mad now I had a little a little alarm clock um no alarm on it it's just that sort of size and I thought right I'm going to give myself 20 minutes to write what I can of um the perfumed elf and midnight ship story um, and in a way it gives you it puts you under a certain pressure but to, to kind of keep writing at the same time it gives you permission to sort of not necessarily come up with anything good if you don't if it doesn't work if it doesn't pan out it doesn't matter you've given yourself permission to stop after 20 minutes if it's not working and then just leave it and that really that really helped me because i had a little bit of a spark with it but i thought no just just go for it just keep going just try and fill the 20 minutes and just keep writing and see what comes and I ended up writing for about 35 to 40 minutes in the end and um, because it was flowing and then what I read out was pretty much it that was there were very few changes that I made but perhaps that's because it's it's quite a short story it's a really short one and sometimes they can just flow so yeah I, I recommend it to writers out there when you're listening um, give yourself a set time limit to just write what you can, and just keep writing, just keep going. And even if what you're writing doesn't seem to have much chronological sense yet, you can always scribble asterisks, um, or if you're on a, a computer or a laptop, you know you can copy and paste sections of text, move things around, just whatever comes to your mind, even if it's just an image or a sensation, just write that because each sentence isn't just a sentence, it's a doorway into the next sentence. And on that note, I'm going to leave it at that. So please do get in touch, let me know your thoughts on what you think should happen next in the midnight ship. You never know, even if it's just a small detail that pops into your mind or did pop into your mind when I was reading this out? why not suggest it? It might end up being the one detail that steers this story towards a new conclusion, an unexpected conclusion. So if you're subscribed to my newsletter, um, then just hit reply. You would have found out before anyone else uh, about the story and you will have a version of this that you would have been able to read not just listen to um, but if you're not subscribed please subscribe or you can just if you go to the brainstorming page at anatizar.com there is a comment section if you scroll down the page um, you can send me uh, your thoughts your feedback through the comment section or you can just click contact at which is at the bottom of any page on my website okay well I hope you've enjoyed the show today. Um, Stay well, go forth and be inspired.